we are worshiping the God of the universe, not the God that we are hoping to create in the mirror. I just read a fascinating story. I don't know if you heard about this, but there was a debate team that won this championship that was entirely comprised of ballerinas. Yeah, they won because they just stayed on point. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 169. It's so great to have you back. If this is your first time listening, please rate and review this podcast. It helps other people find it. And thank you for being here. We start every episode with a dad joke, so I hope you enjoyed that. You can connect with us by visiting our website, manafoodforthought.com or manafft.com. You can contact us there. You can see all our social media. Uh, you can tag us on Instagram. By the way, the highest compliment you can pay us is to share this episode with a family or friends. And you can do that very easily online by tagging us on social media. So you can do that and find all those handles on our website. While you're there, hit the subscribe button to get our weekly newsletter that has our psalm reflection in it and the latest links to our podcast episodes. And also hit the give button if you feel so inclined to help support this podcast financially because it does cost money to be hosted and put on the air. And uh, you can support us for as little as $1 a month. And so thank you to all of our patrons, all of our listeners. If you're returning, so great to have you back. Let's get into our joy, junk, and Jesus. So my joy from this past week is that I told you in the last episode we did another Disneyland day with our children. And my joy is partially that that, that happened, mainly that we survived it and that it's over. I mean, it was great. I had great moments, you know, because... Yeah, it had great moments because you get to see it through the magic of your children's eyes and like they were very excited, but we were all and still are kind of coming out of the symptoms of just some really bad sickness and Levi was still really sick when we were there. He didn't have a fever, he wasn't contagious, but like he was still having some tummy issues and and so like, yeah, we had some interesting situations happen while we were there, but uh, the doctors assured us we could still go and so we went and it just made it a little more complicated, our kids a little more cranky and not really inclined to wait. And everything is waiting at Disneyland. So, yeah, that was my joy. And kind of the junk has been the sickness. And it's just never ending. You know, we feel a lot better. But the symptoms, the cough, the congestion is just like never ending. So, anyway, pray for us. Uh, my Jesus moment, I have two. Um, we're in the middle of beginning our quads, our small groups. Um, so, my wife has a, a women's quad and I have a men's quad, and we've just been starting those. It's been really great, really great fellowship, and they've just been really natural and fun to do. So, that's wonderful. And then I got to go to our diocesan youth ministry social to connect with the youth ministers. Even though I'm not in youth ministry anymore, I'm still the area representative for Life Teen for, um, for youth ministers. So, I want to stay connected to them. And it was just a really great, my friend Laura, who is the coordinator at the diocese, just did a great job putting it on. So, it was just really fun to be there in fellowship with a lot of people in ministry, which I don't get to do super often because we don't have that equivalent um, kind of networking and socializing for my position as an adult director. Uh, in fact, my position doesn't exist at a lot of parishes as a standalone position or if it exists at all. So it's just great to be in community with people. So here's your little reminder that if you're not in good, consistent community with people, both spiritually and just for enjoyment, uh, that's something you need to prioritize in your life because you will get drained and feel isolated very quickly without it. So anyway, let's get into our episode. We always look at the second reading for the upcoming Sunday. Uh, this upcoming Sunday is the 14th Sunday in Ordinary Time. We are continuing in the book of Romans, the letter of St. Paul to Rome. Remember, he is writing to a 
culturally divided community. They are made up of Christians, but of Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians, the Jewish Christians of whom were expelled from Rome for five years and allowed to return. And so now they're commingling again and having all of these logistical problems about what culturally do we need to still observe from Judaism? Do we make Gentiles do that? How do we uh, come together in this new way of belief? What do we leave behind? What do we carry with us? What is new? What matters? All of that. And so uh, we're going to see that kind of fleshed out here, uh, for lack of a, a better term. Um, you'll see why that was funny as we read this uh, second reading for Sunday. So from Romans chapter 8, we're going to read verse 9 and then verses 11 through 13. Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, you are not in the flesh. On the contrary, you are in the Spirit. If only the Spirit of God dwells in you. Whoever does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. If the Spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, the one who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also, through his Spirit that dwells in you. Consequently, brothers and sisters, we are not debtors to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, this reading is one of a few, you know, readings in Scripture that often lead to this misunderstanding of theology and how, like, we are to view the body and the soul, you know, the flesh and the spirit. And often there's this, like, kind of dichotomy placed between the two that, like, the body and the flesh is bad, the soul, the spiritual uh, is good. And that's not really Christianity. That's something that Paul is adopting from Greek philosophy. But the Jewish outlook was that all these things are integrated. Like every part of you is integrated and affects the other. Like in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus speaks to this in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, the lamp is the body of the eye. If your eye is sound, your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eye is bad, then your whole body will be in darkness. And if the light in you is darkness, how great will the darkness be? So he's talking about the reality that like our body informs all of who we are. There isn't this separation between the flesh and the spirit, the body and the soul. And if you have a good idea of like ontology and how we were created, you get that. Like this, this idea in Greek philosophy almost had this idea that like you were a soul, a spiritual being trapped in a human body. And we don't ascribe to that as Christians. We believe that at the end of time, like our bodies will be risen and will be renewed. They'll be resurrected. They'll be redeemed. And so there is good in the body that anything that we do to our bodies affects our souls and everything we do to our souls affects our bodies. So often I'll ask this question of people to demonstrate this. And I may have done this on the podcast before, but you know, if, if your body was a peach, what would be the soul? And most people say the pit. Because we imagine our soul is kind of locked away somewhere as this sacred place inside of us that we protect. But in reality, that's not what the church teaches. The church teaches that your soul is more like the juice of the peach, that it's in every part of it. So your soul exists in every single cell of your body. So if your body were a table, your soul would be the wood. Your soul is the form, or the, your body is the form of the wood, like it's taking this particular form. And so in philosophy, a proper understanding of Christian philosophy is that the body and soul are completely integrated, that they affect one another. And as a result, that means your body is good. 
Okay, your body is inherently good. It was created to be good. We weren't created to be just spiritual beings like the angels. We were created to have flesh. And God only creates things that are good. In fact, in Genesis, it says when he created Adam and Eve, when he created man and woman, he said that it was very good. And so the body is very good. Sin has distorted that and caused us to separate. There's a division, a chasm between now the fleshly things that tend toward evil and sin, like our concupiscence, the temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil that manifest in our bodies, and those aspects of our being and our bodies that are spiritual. But this cannot manifest in our faith as like the body is bad, or the things of the earth are all inherently bad, or the things of the flesh are all inherently bad. And when we get into that mentality, we get into some dangerous, very scrupulous places. You know, um, like sex is good. God created sex. He didn't just create human beings with these complementary sexual uh, parts and reproductive systems and think like, oh man, I hope they never figured that out. No, like he created them with a very divine, beauty-oriented purpose to create life and to bring about the unity and the procreation of the couple in the marital covenant. It's when we distort that that it becomes a temptation that we would categorize as a temptation of the flesh. So this idea in Greek philosophy that these things are meant to be separated, it causes us to misunderstand them as opposed to one another. Rather, we, they affect one another. So we have to make sure that we do not let temptations of the flesh corrupt the spirit, but we have to let the pursuits of our spirit redeem and heal the flesh. Otherwise, we get caught up in scrupulosity. And so we cannot separate these things. We have to recognize, like, if we're dealing with a sin, let's say even something that you consider a private sin, many people, you know, will fall into the sin of masturbation or pornography, and they'll think like, well, I'm not really hurting anybody. Well, yeah, you're hurting yourself, and that's affecting you spiritually, and that affects how you interact and relate to and view every other person. And so there's no such thing as a private sin. Every sin has a ripple effect into the body of Christ. And if one part of the body is ill, it affects the entire body. And so we have to be aware of that. But scripture speaks all the time in several places about the goodness of the body. So I'm thinking particularly in Romans chapter 12, where Paul says later on in this letter, he says at the very beginning, he says, I urge you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, your spiritual worship. That our body is meant to be a holy offering, a holy sacrifice. It meant it's to be the means by which we worship. And how does he say that we do that? He says in the next verse that we do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We have this integration between mind, body, and soul, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect. So Paul seems to believe, accurately so, that we have the ability to do things that are holy, sacrificial, good, and pleasing with our mind and our body. It's not just attitudes or actions of the soul or of the spirit. That our body helps us lean toward the spiritual and our spiritual helps perfect the body. In 1 Corinthians, there's a lot of language about uh, the body of Christ and spiritual gifts and the spiritual nature of, you know, the physical world and all of that in, in Corinthians, especially in First Corinthians. But in First Corinthians, in a few places, first in chapter three, verse 16, this is where Paul writes to the church in Corinth, do you not know that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? 
If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for the temple of God which you are is holy. And he says this again, he reiterates it in 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been purchased at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. That is how we glorify God, is not by denying all the things of the world and of the flesh, but by recognizing they are created for a particular purpose, and they're meant to orient us toward all the things that, you know, heal or uh, feed us, nourish us spiritually. I came across this quote from St. Ignatius of Loyola today. He said this, It is not the soul alone that should be healthy. If the mind is healthy in a healthy body, all will be healthy and much better prepared to give God greater service. That is what is asked of us, not just to pursue things that are spiritual, but to recognize that we are a body and a soul. We have a mind and all of those things affect one another. And so if you're in this position where you think like, okay, all I really need to do is just like do these spiritual acts and like, okay, I don't need to give up these maybe addictive habits of the body or, you know, worry about being more in conformed with God's will in these other areas of my life. But if I'm just going through the spiritual motions, like that will be enough. No, like, I think I've said this before. I can't remember who said it, but uh, it might've been Father Mike Schmitz where he said, um, serious sin and serious prayer cannot coexist. One will destroy the other. One will destroy the other. And so if we're always looking to the negative things of the flesh for our pleasure, our edification, for, you know, whether it's coping or, you know, um, just out of habit or addiction, now we think that we can keep that quiet and it's not affecting us spiritually, that we can then go to church and go to mass and, and go to confession and be forgiven, and there's still not this lingering attachment that we're forming, then we're wrong. All of these things affect one another. And so when you read this second reading, when you hear it proclaimed, I hope it, I hope it speaks to, you know, I, I know there are a lot of people who have a negative view of their body. A lot of people who look in the mirror and think like, oh, I'm not good enough, or they see only the imperfections. They see only the pounds that they still have left to lose, or only the muscle that they still wish they could gain, or only the definition that they wish they had, or the curvature, or, you know, bigger here, smaller here, whatever it is, um, you know, the, the quality or the, you know, the clarity of your skin, all of these, there's all these different reasons that people will look in the mirror and begin to nitpick. And the body is good, but it's not our ultimate end. God will redeem the body. God will redeem the body. You will have the body, the glorified body that you were created to have, that you've always desired. You will have it in heaven. You will. And you won't have to have all this physical effort expended for it. I mean, it's good to be physically healthy and physically active because it extends the amount of time, the ability we have to be present, and the ability we have to experience the things in this world that we are called to experience to be of service to others. However, like our body will decay, it will die. Like eventually you are, you will not be able to keep up if you're only focused on the body and perfecting the body. But if you're focused primarily on perfecting the soul and allowing everything you do with your body and your mind to support that, and it's all integrated, harmoniously working toward that same goal, then you will be on the right path. So this isn't necessarily that body and soul are, are opposed. It means that they need to be rightly ordered. That the soul is always what we are looking toward, but the body needs to be in line. Because if you think of it another way, 
if all of my spirituality and my mental energy is expended toward efforts of the body, then I'm going to get this very natural kind of spirituality. And that's what we have. We have new age spirituality, all about how you feel more integrated and you're like the vibrations and the chakras and you feel more holistically healthy and, you know, it just puts you in alignment and reduces your inflammation and all of that stuff. It's very bodily focused. The spirit is informing, you know, the body or the, the way we see the spiritual is informed by this focus on the body. And that's just not a proper framework that we have from scripture. It's not how God created us. It's not what's been revealed to us. And you, if you continue following down the trajectory, you'll learn it just by trial and error. Like it, it won't get you to where you want to be. You'll still end up feeling like something's missing, like you're not happy, something's incomplete. But when everything is oriented toward the spirit and I expend mental energy learning more about God, I expend my physical energy in fasting and having self-control against the things that would tear me away from my spiritual focus and all of that is oriented toward the beauty of that relationship with God, then everything falls into place. Can't be just to... Uh, in pursuit of the mind, because then my spirituality becomes just learning information about God. My physical energy goes toward, you know, being more, uh, let's say, knowledgeable and competitive in that knowledge and affronting that in front of other people, trying to be some kind of influencer or speaker when I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus that's grounded in a real spiritual focus in my life. So this is the structure, the properly ordered life and relationship with God that the second reading offers us. It's not that the flesh is bad. The flesh is good, was created to be good. Paul is speaking here to the sins of the flesh, but not the graces of the flesh. Because the graces of the flesh and recognizing the goodness of by which our body was created to, to experience, to be, you know, that we, we are created good, our bodies are created good. The graces of the flesh orient us more toward the spiritual. When we do good things for our body, it does good things for our soul and for our mind. And all of those are interrelated. And so if you're feeling depleted in one of those areas, maybe give yourself a boost in, in, in one of the other areas. Go do something physically good or active. Exercise self-control. Have discipline. Do something spiritual. Go to chapel. Go to confession. Get to mass. Spend some time in prayer. Do something for yourself mentally. Challenge yourself. Adopt a hobby. Be in good relational um, you know, encounters and social encounters with people that are healthy and, and honor you and don't use you for your time, your energy, or your talent. If we do all those things oriented toward the same place, we will be living the life that we are called to live. And so however that speaks to you, however it maybe speaks against the lies of the enemy, um, especially about your body and sins of the flesh or sins of the body or distortions of the body, whether that's, you know, anorexia, bulimia, body dysmorphia, whether it's sins of the body, um, you know, sexual attachments, addictions, uh, sins of pleasure with food, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, there's a myriad of different ways that we can fall into this body-focused trap. And that path will never complete us or fulfill us. You know, you'll get the perfect, if, even if you got the perfect body, you can't sustain it. Not forever. And then once you perfect that one thing you've been focusing on for so long, new things will come up, new things will arise. And so let's focus on the things that are really lasting. And yes, orient our bodies in good physical health so that we can invest in those things to be more spiritually healthy and invested.
But if it's becoming a spiritual obstacle for you and you're becoming so self-focused that you're creating an idol out of yourself and this life and personality that you think you should have or this image you think that you should conform to, then my friend, you, you are in a dangerous place because we are worshiping the God of the universe, not the God that we are hoping to create in the mirror. That is all I have for you this week. Know that I'm praying for you. Please pray for me. And until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless you.